It's Wednesday, November 16th, 2022. I'm Jackson Bird. Today, can wearing a mask yourself make it harder to recognize the faces of other people even when they are not wearing a mask? Plus, why Kraft Heinz has upped the goof factor with so many off-the-wall stunts in recent years. And is fruitcake the new go-to holiday season flavor? Here's some cool stuff for your ride home. It's no shocker that it's tough to recognize people who are wearing face masks. But could wearing a face mask yourself, even when the other person isn't, also make it more difficult to recognize people? That's what the results of a new study out of York University, published today in the journal Cognitive Research, Principles and Implications, indicates. So, to be clear, what they're saying is that if you, say, encounter someone you've only met once briefly before, and they don't have a mask on, but you do, your wearing of a mask might make it more difficult for you to recognize that unmasked acquaintance. Sounds kind of odd, right? Well, brains are weird. I mean, I have trouble recognizing people with or without face masks on. In fact, I don't know that the masks really change things too much for me. I'm pretty sure I have some slight form of face blindness. I tend to recognize people based on their hair or gait or mannerisms. For a while, I was able to get away with face masks as the excuse that people would assume I didn't recognize them. And then some people started graciously pulling down their face masks quickly to show me their whole face as if that would help me recognize them, but it rarely did. But hey, maybe now I can blame it on me wearing a face mask. Because here's what the study said. So they ran four different experiments with 80 participants in which they were shown masked and unmasked faces while they were either masked or unmasked themselves. And researchers discovered that the significant factor in whether a participant could recognize faces of others was not whether the other person had a mask on, but whether the participant themselves did. Why? York University assistant professor and co-author Erez Freud has a couple of hypotheses. One is that when we wear masks, we might assume others have trouble recognizing us. He said in a statement, quote, Masked observers might think their own faces are less recognizable, and that could lead to reduced face processing abilities. This might have to do with how people view things from other people's perspectives, a process called alter-centric intrusion, end quote. His other theory is that the constant tactile stimulation to the face from the mask is a sort of reminder that people can't see that part of the face and therefore causes a person to struggle to perceive that part in the face of others. That idea didn't completely hold up with the findings, though. The researchers found that the effect of the mask wearing on face perception only occurred when the mask was being worn over the nose and mouth. When they tried having participants wear the mask on their forehead, for example, their face perception skills were unaffected. Perception skills were also unaffected for objects in all scenarios. This curious effect only occurs for faces. Freud says he was surprised by the results of the study. You know, it's not exactly what the team sought out to find. They were more interested in generally investigating the effects of wearing a mask on face perception since there haven't been that many, if any, other studies done on it. 
Prior research by others has shown that both adults and children have more trouble recognizing faces that are obscured by masks, but not what the effects on recognition are by the adults or children wearing the masks themselves. Now, as I said, this was a study of just 80 participants, so while it is a very intriguing finding, it was a small sample. I would love to see more research done by this team or others on this, but for now, if you, like me, struggle to recognize folks on occasion, here's the latest excuse that you can use. One type of headline I always love bringing up on this show is the completely ridiculous flavors and limited edition stunts from major corporate food and beverage companies, like Coca-Cola's latest spate of intangible concept flavors that they refuse to describe with actual flavors, you know, Dream World and Starlight. Or when companies bring back old flavors for the nostalgia factor, like General Mills bringing back Monster Mash cereal. Or the totally wild pop-up activations they sometimes do, like when French's brought ketchup-flavored popsicles to select locations in Canada over the summer. It feels like all the major brands have been upping their weird factor in recent years, and I know part of that feeling is the bias of paying attention to them for this podcast, but it really does seem like there's more of this thing going on than there used to be. And, well, at least according to a recent piece in CNN Business, there is. At least where Kraft Heinz brands are concerned. Gimmick and nostalgia have been purposefully deployed as one part of a lifeline for some of the company's floundering brands. Kraft Foods and H.J. Heinz merged in 2015, making them the fifth largest food and beverage company in the world. And while they have over 50 brands in their portfolio, more than half of their business comes from just eight of those brands. Oscar Mayer, Velveeta, Capri Sun, Kraft Mac and Cheese, Philadelphia Cream Cheese, Heinz, Lunchables, and Orida, aka the staple diet of most lucky eight-year-olds. And not exactly what most people would say are the popular foods these days. You know, for a while, consumers have really been trending towards health foods, organic items, and smaller or more local businesses. So according to Kraft Heinz CEO Miguel Patricio, who spoke to CNN Business, there was a period of time post-merger where they were basically apologetic about those big brands. He said, quote, We got distracted believing that the future was launching new, small brands, niche brands, end quote. In between the 2015 merger and Patricio being brought in as CEO in 2019, things were not looking good for the newly merged company. Quoting CNN Business, Critics said that an extreme cost-cutting strategy choked innovation, and in 2019, the company revealed that the Securities and Exchange Commission was investigating its accounting practices. It wrote down the value of its Kraft and Oscar Mayer brands by $15 billion, posted a $12.6 billion loss for the fourth quarter of 2018, and had to revise past financial statements and later pay millions of dollars in a settlement. Even the venerable Harvard Business Review weighed in with harsh criticism, writing, quote, While investors were hungry for growth, 3G could not change the Kraft Heinz legacy brands quickly enough to meet consumer demand for healthier, fresher, and in some cases, cheaper private label products. While Jell-O, Kool-Aid, and Velveeta were being stacked onto shelves, the tectonic plates of big-box food were shifting beneath Kraft Heinz's feet, and they could not adapt fast enough. End quote. 
Patricio has helped boost the price of shares from the 2020 low of $22 to about $37 now. While that's far from its 2017 high of $100, it's continuing to trend up. So what has he done right? Some of the typical stuff, like streamlining operations, improving the supply chain, investing in advertising, and shedding divisions. In particular, Mr. Peanut. Yes, after Mr. Peanut mysteriously reincarnated as some kind of Twitter Super Bowl gag in 2020, he was then sold to Hormel, owner of brands like Skippy Peanut Butter, Corn Nuts, and Spam. The sale of Mr. Peanut, or really Planters Peanuts, was part of Kraft Heinz's larger plan to divest of most of their natural nuts and cheese brands. And the reason for that sale, interestingly, is Kraft Heinz wanted to focus on their products for which there's not really a store brand equivalent. You know, consumers can pretty easily find more affordable nuts and certain cheeses, but Heinz ketchup, Velveeta, Capri Sun, Lunchables, a lot of those are far and away the best of their kind. Cheaper or store brands exist for some of them, but they're so different that many people will still opt for the name brand in those cases. I mean, what is the equivalent for Capri Sun? So even though there's still a little awareness of the trend towards natural and niche brands, Kraft Heinz is working on partnerships with some smaller companies, especially ones who operate in the plant-based sector. Their bigger strategy was going all in on those unique-to-them brands and really owning them. Sure, you may know that you should be eating fewer processed foods, but do you really care when you're tempted with a Velveeta martini? The Velveeta Martini was just one of many gimmicks that Kraft Heinz has concocted in recent years, many of which I have covered on this show. There was the Cold Dog, a hot dog-flavored popsicle, the viral bologna face mask, a gravy-themed children's book debut last Thanksgiving, paying people $20 in hard cash not to buy their cream cheese during a shortage last winter, listing the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile on Airbnb, putting an eight-foot box of Velveeta in Central Park, and making a pink version of Kraft Mac and Cheese for Valentine's Day. They are clearly down to clown, and frankly, I'm into it, even if it is a concerted strategy to try to save the company from what turned out to be a lackluster merger. You know, I love when brands get weird on Maine. To me, it feels more refreshing than the faux authenticity or 1950s housewife kind of perfection that some brands still cling to. Like, let's all just acknowledge that everything is artifice and most of the world is a cash grab. But hey, we can maybe have a laugh while doing it. And continuing on the weird food brand gimmicks train, pumpkin spice rules the fall. That's not debatable. Food brands, coffee shops, and grocery stores sometimes try to pin flavors on other seasons as well. My grocery store always sets up a ton of lemon-flavored and branded things at the start of summer. Peppermint is pretty much considered the main Christmas time flavor, but you've also got gingerbread, eggnog, sugar cookie, I guess, and fruitcake? Apparently, that's what we're doing now. The other day, I told you about Mountain Dew's 2022 holiday flavor, Fruit Quake, and now Spam has released a figgy pudding version of their canned pork. 
Now, figgy pudding and fruitcake are not the same thing, but they are similar. Similar spices, filled with fruit, made by steaming, often a bit boozy, served primarily at Christmas, and despite the name pudding, which confuses many Americans, figgy pudding is more of a cake. Now, that little lexical discrepancy out of the way, I do love this take from Bettina McAlintel at Eater that brands seem to be trying to make fruitcake the next big thing. Granted, McAlintel only cites the two brands I already have, Mountain Dew and Spam, both often trolls in their own rights, but for pure amusement, if nothing else, I would love if corporate America somehow convinced people to love fruitcake again and for it to become the dominant flavor of the Christmas season a la pumpkin spice. Like, let's have fruitcake lattes, fruitcake cereal, fruitcake cookies, fruitcake cough drops. The more, the merrier. Here are a few reviews of the figgy pudding version of Spam. From McAlintel at Eater, quote, Admittedly a Spam enthusiast, I popped the can open, excited to cook it. The smell reminded me, optimistically, of a spiced ham, poked with cloves. Not my favorite, but okay. The flavor, however, left much to be desired. Too perfumey, with a cloying fruit flavor and bitter aftertaste. Fruit quake, at the very least, seems a bit better. One reviewer described the drink as a decent tasting dew that I wouldn't throw away when no one's looking. End quote. Food and Wine makes a very classy argument for why Spam might have hit on something with this choice. Quote, Spam figgy pudding is precisely what it says on the tin. The legendary canned meat spiked with the flavors of the traditional British Christmas dessert. The two actually share a slight similarity. Figgy pudding is traditionally made with suet, aka beef fat. So the dish has a tenuous meat connection. From there, figgy pudding usually gets its flavor from seasonal spices and dried fruits, which are many of the ingredients this spam opts for. End quote. Emily Hale at the Washington Post was less kind. After offering a couple of different ways you could slice and plate the ham, Hale wrote, quote, or you could just pitch the tin directly into the trash, which is where it belongs. I was hoping for a flavor along the lines of a cola-glazed ham studded with cloves and pineapple rings and maraschino cherries, which is absolutely a fond, salty-sweet taste memory of my childhood. Instead, I was hit by an intense faux-orange flavor that brought to mind those horrifically dyed and colored candied fruits that somehow make their way into objectionable holiday sweets, backed by a discordant chorus of baking spices. This was, I was sure, the product of an unholy, eggnog-fueled tryst between a hot dog and a fruitcake, and I don't mean that in a good way, as if there could possibly be a good way for such a monstrosity to taste. I feel the need to warn you and your kin, these are no good tidings. End quote. Dang, didn't hold back. Spam itself suggests serving the product on a festive charcuterie board or alongside some spiced Dutch baby pancakes. They wrote, quote, A savory, sweet, and comforting treat, Spam figgy pudding evokes a sense of nostalgia and warmth, taking consumers back to their favorite memories from holidays past. End quote. Now, that's one place I might have to push back on the idea of fruitcake or even figgy pudding becoming the Christmas flavor de rigueur. 
One big reason pumpkin spice, which Spam also released a special variety of a few years ago, is so popular is because, for Americans, it evokes that sense of nostalgia and warmth. It takes people back to childhood memories of Thanksgiving and the fall, but Americans, at least, by and large, do not have those memories for figgy pudding. It's rarely served here, and its cousin, fruitcake, has more often appeared as the butt of a joke than on the Christmas table. So no matter what Hormel Foods may try to tell us about the nostalgia factor here, and no matter how much I want it to be true, figgy pudding and or fruitcake is at a significant disadvantage in that category. But if you want to try it for yourself, 12-ounce can 2-packs of Spam Figgy Pudding is available while supplies last on Amazon, at Walmart, and on Spam's own website for about 10 bucks. Well, I can hardly believe I'm saying it, but Artemis 1 successfully launched early this morning. If you missed it, because it did happen around 2 a.m. Eastern, so understandable if you did, I will put a link to the launch coverage in the show notes. The link starts about three hours into the live coverage, right around when the countdown hold restarted at 10 minutes to launch. And especially with how many attempts it took to get this rocket in the air, it is tempting to feel like it's all done now. But really, this is just the beginning. The beginning of the Artemis program, as well as just the beginning of this mission, There is a ton that the Orion spacecraft will be doing and relaying to us as it goes on its 25-day journey around the moon. I will update here and there, but I definitely recommend following different NASA accounts and the official Artemis blog if you are curious about this historic mission as it plays out. But that is going to be it from me for today. This show was produced by Ride Home Media. I'm Jackson Bird, and I'll talk to you again tomorrow. This is your moment. Your moment to move forward and make progress. It's time to see where an education can take you. For over 130 years, Strayer University has been at the forefront of change, offering programs that help students like you get ahead and stay ahead so you can keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by Chef.